Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Have y'all started school? Yes. No. No. Oh, that makes total sense. Yes. Freedoms, pros and cons, different school choices. So most people are in school. Okay. Um, who knows what a highlight reel is? You know, a highlight reel. Toby, what's a highlight reel? What do I have to answer? You're handing it up first, buddy. If you don't want your hand to go up, you should hold it down. It's like a compilation of recordings. And, like if you're in football, it's all the good things you do in football. Yeah. It's showing you the excerpts of all the coolest stuff of something incredible that happened, right? That's a highlight reel or a compilation. Good. Well, we're going to look at a highlight reel as we get started or a recap, right? What sermon have y'all been in? Sermon the Beatitudes is part of it. The name of the sermon is the Sermon on the Mount. It is something incredible. An entire three-chapter sermon in the book of Matthew. Not as long as all Gospels. And we're going to look at a highlight reel as we get started. But I need you to help me. Because you all have been from the Beatitudes, which is the, as it starts, all the way up through where we are going to be in the middle of chapter 7. What are some of the highlights that you have learned from the Sermon on the Mount? Yes. The Beatitudes. Specifically, what about them? I know, it gets harder to share. It's just weird like that. Yes, please, open your Bibles. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Look at the first, you know, uh, first verses in the Beatitudes there, please. Yes, Sage. The good ones, the bad ones, and the ugly ones. Tell me more, please. <laughs> the good attitudes, they find other bad attitudes. Like, Excellent, yes. We, there are good attitudes we're supposed to have, right? Like, Mourn over your sin, right? Recognize that you are poor in spirit. Blessed are those people, right? Those are good things to have. You're going to be persecuted. Okay, that's bad for you to persecute you. Good. What else? You can look at your Bibles. They are there for a reason. Fox. Uh, oh, and you're coming up next. You're ready. The prayer, or the prayer that Jesus teaches us. Yeah, in chapter 6? Yeah, chapter What's the highlight about that? It's the way that we should pray and not the way not the way that the Pharisees pray or like the I don't know, the false teachers mm -hmm. stuff. Not like going on about how great they are and that God came to save them. It's teaching us to be the the way to pray, like the order of things that you should yeah. pray. Speaking of the order of things, what's it start with? Um praise for God. Praise uh -huh. for God. Yep. Praise. Yeah. Hallowed be thy name. Y'all study that, right? What does the word hallowed mean? Holy, lofty, high, majestic, right? False teachers don't start with, hey, you're big. They start with, look, and I'm big. Good. Oh, I told you it come to you. And what does that mean? Yeah. It preserves it, so there's a preservation factor, right? And there's a stark difference factor, right? So who's, who's inadvertently, it could have been on purpose, but inadvertently, like take a giant gulp of seawater or it got in your eye, what did the salt do? 
It shocks you. You're like, oh my goodness, that's different. Okay, if you're going to be a Christian living on this earth where sin and humanity is depraved and you live like Christ, it's going to be, my goodness, they're different. Yeah, cool. What else? Trey, what about it? Awesome. I love humans. You guys got to pay attention to what people do, right? You start with... The highlight for me was judging others. I said, what about it? It's like, well, you don't judge others. This is great. You've all done this, by the way. Just humans are funny to me, right? And then you get into it, and they're like, oh, remove the log out of your own eye before you try to remove the speck out of someone else's. Right? Self-control. Monitor yourself. Examine yourself. We'll talk about that. Cool. Does anybody, did anybody, like, look at Matthew 5.48, the very definition of how you get into heaven on your own? how you can do it if you wanted to know Jesus tells you be perfect as what standard ah as your heavenly father is perfect anybody attained to that thing for the like minute zero one second alive to any, now you've done that no yeah I have humor right but no we haven't but that's okay so we know we don't fit that awesome okay I wrote down a couple others can, how many masters can you serve if you look at chapter 6 verse 24 yes one one and what are the two masters that it highlights? This is important for our culture today. You can look at verse six, chapter 6, verse 24. Power. Oh. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. Ah, what are the two masters? God, God and? Mammon or wealth, right? Wealth, the pursuit of self-satisfaction, right? It's, oh, it's all about me. If I get enough wealth, I can do what I want. I can be me. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. Watch out for the me monster. Um, yes, you can't do that. Chapter 6, verse 33 is one of my very favorites. Seek ye first what? His kingdom, which is whose? Is it your kingdom? God's kingdom. They're different. Different. Your kingdom is all about you. Seek ye first God's kingdom and Trey, and his righteousness. Right? So here's the first hard-hitting question right out of the gate. This is hard for me to say out loud because it's convicting. How many seconds to minutes to hours have you spent in the last, I don't know, call it 17 years or less, contemplating what is God's righteousness and how can I be like that? Just think about it. You don't have to answer it's hard, but we just got, Jesus just told you, seek two things, my kingdom first and my righteousness. I love this sermon. It truly is incredible. And truly incredible. We already hit some chapter seven. We're getting into where we're going to be. No one mentioned the golden rule. Chapter seven, verse 12. Which, what's the golden rule? Is what you want to yeah. It's not the golden rule. It's Matthew 7, verse 12. Sneaky world. And everything, therefore, treat people the same way as you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. See what he did there? He just summed up all of the law and the prophets for you. Treat others the way you want them to treat you. That's pretty. Now you know. If you wonder, what is the Old Testament? He just summed it up in one verse. 
treat others the same way you want to be treated. Which is the second commandment. The first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your might. If you look at verses 13 and 14, look at it with me, please. This is the, the as we get into, this is the hardest, some of the hardest verses in his sermon. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. I'll just tell you ahead of time, there's going to be a big theme of how often do we think about the loss. If you are lost, Jesus told, told you you are on the broad way and it leads to destruction. Uh, but we'll look at that. This, those preceding verses, thank you for the highlight reel, I appreciate that. Those preceding verses of verses 13 and 14 set up our passage, which is verse 15 to 23, really, really well. He just told his entire audience with authority that there are two ways. There's the broad way, which leads to destruction, and a lot of people find that way. And then there's the narrow way, which he will tell us in our passage is the way into the kingdom of heaven, and few who find it. But it does lead to life. Our text tonight is verses 15 to 23. I'll read it for us. Scan your eyes to chapter 7, verse 15. We'll go to verse 23. thing. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's the NASB. Our theme tonight that strings all of our verses together into one statement is only those who do the will of God will bear good fruit and enter the kingdom of heaven. That's our theme. Only those who do the will of God will bear good fruit and enter the kingdom of heaven. If you would pray with me, please, let's ask God to help us with his word. Father, we do come to you humble. Lord, if we're not humble, humble us in our hearts because we are being confronted with the truth of your word tonight. Lord, open our hearts to receive it. Show, as a giant beaming light, expose sin, convict us of your commands, convict us of the principles of your word, and Lord, renew our minds and our thinking to think like you think, to seek your kingdom and your righteousness and not our own. Lord, help me to explain your word and your word alone as we talk tonight. We thank you so much that you've given us your word, that we can know you, know your heart, know your passions, know your commands, everything we need for life and godliness on this earth you have given us, and we praise you for it. We pray this thing in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, we are going to investigate two realities of life that we exist in, and we're going to see one result. So the first reality that we are going after is in verse 15. 
Beware the false prophets. That reality, false prophets exist. False prophets exist. So that first word, beware, it's a command. It's in the present tense. It means constantly beware. It means be on the lookout for. Be, there's harm out there. It's the call of our Lord to constantly look out for what's going to harm you, to be on guard against it. But beware of what? It's in the text. You can just, you know, say it back. False prophets. false prophets. Thank you very much. I don't know your name, but you are crushing it. Thank you. Beware of false prophets. Right? So, okay, false prophets. Well, what's a prophet? A prophet, you can just summarily say, is a mouthpiece of God. They've been called by God to communicate his word out. Mouthpiece of God. But it puts an adjective in front of it. The adjective false. Right? That false in the Greek word is pseudo. You guys are familiar with the word pseudo. What does pseudo mean to us? P-S-E-U-D-O? Maybe not. Pseudo. Token. Kind of loosely means parody. Like a, a parody? Yes. Something like it. It's kind of like science, but maybe not the real thing. Yeah. Pseudo. Same. Could be fake, too. Someone said that from that direction. That was great. Fox, good job. Pseudo. It does mean, it means fake, it means sham. So these are sham prophets. These are false prophets. These false prophets have been around forever. Ever since there was a true prophet, there have been false prophets. I won't make you go there, but in Deuteronomy chapter 13, this is the second reading of God's law. So way back, Moses, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. That's the bad thing, right? Go after other gods. Don't do that. That's, that is not God's truth. This is what Moses says. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. There have been false prophets as long as there have been true prophets. And note, remember, they are pseudo-prophets. They're not people that go, oh, God's word, nothing. I, have, I don't want anything to do with that. It's close. It's just wrong. So watch out for them. So if it's not God's truth that they're conveying because they're false, whose truth are they conveying? Man's. Yes, and specifically, I know he crushed it with authority and passion. Right answer, right passion. It was good. It was man's authority. He's like, I've got my own message. I want to get something out of this. The commentator Hendrickson says this about false prophets. He says they are self-appointed. And as being a person who, though pretending to proclaim God's truth, they actually proclaim their own lie. False prophets are proclaiming their own lies. So a natural question is, okay, great, there are false prophets. Beware of them. They can harm you. But how do I know who they are? Well, look at the rest of verse 15. They come to you in what? Sheep's clothing. Sheep's clothing. So now we're in a shepherd analogy. There's a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. And there are sheep. Believers. Okay, well, in the agricultural world of Israel, shepherding was very common. They had flocks of sheep, and wolves would not actually put on sheep's clothes, and they would just hide and wait for a sheep to fall back. But the analogy is, what if a sheep came up to you that looked like a sheep, and you're a sheep, smelled like a sheep, sounded like a sheep, acted like a sheep? You probably think it was a sheep. Sheep. Ah, see, you think you would, but that's just your pride talking. You wouldn't. You're a sheep. You're not looking for that. You'd think it was a sheep. All right, so this is also part of the warning. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like you. They sound like you. 
They talk like you. They may even act like you. They'll be your friend. You'll want, they'll be pleasant to be around. You'll want to belong with them. But Isaiah tells us there are some other warnings, and Paul does too. We'll look at those. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 10, this is what he says about these false prophets. He says, Who say to these seers, you must not see visions, and to the prophets, you must not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us pleasant words. Prophesy illusions. This is how you know them, by what they ask you to do. That's not right. Paul warns the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 and following. He says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Told you they look like you. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Ooh, there's a hint. How are you going to know what they look like? Their end will be according to their deeds. Got it. Deeds. Okay. We'll come back to that one. Paul also warns the Colossians about these false prophets, not to be taken captive by their speech. In Colossians 2.8, which Pastor Dusty taught to us a little bit ago, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. But they do look and sound like you. It's just empty, and it's deceiving. It's disguised. John MacArthur says it this way. He says, when believers are careless about study of and obedience to the word, they're lazy about prayer and uncritical about the things of God, it is easy for them to be deceived by someone who pretends to be orthodox, especially if he is pleasant, positive, and permissive. If you're lazy about your study of the word of God, you're lazy about prayer, you don't put much into, I know what God says, then it could be possible for you to be deceived. Now let me be really clear. Believers, if you look at John chapter 10, which is the Good Shepherd chapter, in verse 29, if you are truly repentant of your sins and you have believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. Nothing can take your salvation away from you. Does everybody get that? Because I'm talking about a dangerous false prophet. I don't want you to mistake me here. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. But, it doesn't mean that you can't be slowed down or hindered or even taken astray for a little one. And that's why we have to be watching out. So they come to you in sheep's clothing. We looked at that. Okay, well, another natural question is, well then, what are these false prophets after? What do they want? What's their purpose? What's their game? Because I want to see where they're going. I want to see what they're saying. I want to be able to find out who these people are. At the end of verse 15, it says, How do they come to you? In sheep's clothing and inwardly as ravenous wolves. It's important to include both. Ravenous wolves. Ravenous means extremely hungry, willing to kill to eat. Right? And a wolf is cunning and sly and strong, and they have sharp teeth and fangs and claws, and they will kill to eat. These aren't coming outwardly as ravenous wolves. They're not going to be actual four-footed creatures coming after you. But inwardly as ravenous wolves means that their internal desire is to take you captive and get what they want from you. Oftentimes in today's culture, it's a following people and it's the money that they give them. They want gain. Remember with two masters we talked about serving. You can either serve God or you can serve 
want wealth. And they are not serving God. They want wealth. That same word for ravenous wolf in the Greek can also mean swindler. And in 1 Corinthians 5.10, it's used that way. It says, I did not at all mean to associate with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or with idolaters. They're lumped in with the crowd of people that Paul says do not associate with. So what should we do? We know their game. We know they're hard to spot. We must be informed sheep. We must be informed. Sheep that know their good shepherd and they know their voice. I mentioned John 10 already, but in John chapter 10, verses 27 to 29, this is what Jesus describes as someone who's informed. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. They hear my voice. And if we think about what is God's voice, what has he given us to know him, how does he instruct us, what is that? It's a book, you're holding it. Taylor? The Bible. The Bible, yes. If you know the answer, I am 100% okay with you just saying the answer. I love the permission of your hand. Don't be afraid, or at least not too much. If you know your shepherd, you will know his voice and you will follow him. Informed sheep will know his word. Informed sheep will know what God is telling you. They will know what his message is. Now, this applies to Jesus' sheep. It means that you have responded to the good news of his gospel. It means that you have come to the realization that Jesus is Lord. He is creator of heaven and earth. And he is perfect. And he is just to judge sin in this world, and sin exists. And you've also realized that you, us, all, are sinners. We did the test of can you walk into heaven on your own from Matthew 5, 48, and other than some humor, no one said literally I'm perfect just as God's perfect. So uh, by deductive reasoning, that means that you're not perfect. Anybody confused about the you're not perfect part? No, you're not perfect. Okay, so we're sinners. But someone who is one of Jesus' sheep is someone who has recognized that, and they also know that Jesus is perfectly sinless, and he came to this earth to complete Scripture and to die on the cross for our sins. And then he rose again the third day, proving that he's God. And anyone, God's Word says, that repents of their sin and that believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior will be saved, according to Romans 10. That applies to that. You cannot know Jesus' voice if you have not repented of your sins and follow after him as Lord and Savior. But like we talked about, we can be hindered. So point application number one of the first night, or of tonight. Believers, there are false prophets. We've talked about that. They're there, and they're going to try to deceive you. They're going to try to hinder you. So I have a question. Are you growing in Christ's likeness? Are you growing in what it is to be a good sheep of Jesus? Are you growing to look more like Christ? And I want you all to jump to 2 Peter, which is near the end of your Bibles. 2 Peter, and we're going to look at chapter 1. So do some thumb paging. Move your hands. Go to 2 Peter, if you will. Chapter 1. Because this really clearly lays out, am I growing or not? I don't want you to be confused. Am I growing? God's Word tells us. 2 Peter chapter 1, this is what he says. 
to those who have received a faith by the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, there's the gospel, for those that have received Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For, here, here's, the here's how we know, by these he has granted to us his prescient and magnificent, precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence. You have to ask yourself, am I applying all the diligence? In your faith, supply moral excellence. Is my morality growing? And in your moral excellence, knowledge. Is my knowledge of Christ growing? And in your knowledge, self-control. Do I have better control of myself and sin habits? than I used to, and in your self-control, perseverance. Do I stand firm in my faith, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. If this, if, look at verse 8. If these qualities are yours, and they are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a picture of someone growing in their salvation, in their sanctification, becoming more like Jesus Christ. And if you're like that, these false prophets will be easy for you to see. Yes? Uh, do they all happen at the same time? Or does it like, can you be like, uh, can you be like, more moral than, like, in, than enduring? Or like, you can have like, specific ones that you're, like, bearing? Yes. The simple answer to your question is yes. The, the path of sanctification, if you think about a graph, you know, we want to think linearly because that's easy for us. And it, it, and easy for us is something that humans gravitate to. I told you, humans are funny. We go for easy, right? So it means like start here, straight line up, right? Up and to the right. That's, that's good. But in all reality, our sanctification process looks like this. You guys know this. You live this life. You, you know this, right? Some days you're doing great. Some days you treat your brothers with kindness. Some days you don't. Okay. Right? So, yes, it's, it's all over the place. But in a general direction, it is upward and to the right. Thank you. Good question. But if you're growing in Christ's likeness, you don't have to fear false prophets. You won't be hindered. You'll see them. You'll see them coming. You'll see them coming. And we're not without hope. Look at verse 16. Someone read to me the beginning of chapter 7, verse 16. You might have to go back to Matthew. Chapter 7, verse 16. It says, you will know the fox. You'll know them by their fruit. Ah, that deeds thing is coming back. You'll know them by their fruits. Let's look at 16 to 20. You'll know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Okay, I'll pause right there. You'll know them by their fruits. Jesus tells you with confidence, you'll know them. If you're growing in Christ's likeness, you'll see them coming, and you'll know them by their fruits. So let's continue our investigation and figure out this word, know. This word, you'll know them, isn't just the intellectual, like, I know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. Yes, Kim. So we have to be the FBI, the fruit basket inspectors. Nice. Fruit basket inspectors. There's so much humor there. Don't. Okay, so yes, we must, we must do that. You're right. Very well done. Right? So if you're going to be part of the FBI, fruit basket inspectors, then you have to know what good fruit looks like. You have to know what bad fruit looks like. And you'd really, really know because you catch the counterfeit stuff, right? That Greek word 
To know, it, it means actually not just know intellectually, but it means to know thoroughly, accurately, truly, not just the surface. It's that kind of to know. English fails us. It doesn't have a separate word for to know really well. But that's what that means. So Jesus tells us you will know them by their fruits, their deeds. But fruit might be more than just their actions. Actually, I said mine. That's a soft word. Fruit is more than just their actions. What else would it encompass? It's more than just what you do. Yes? What you say. What you say. What you see. What you see. What you think. What you think. How you act? How you act? Yes, it's all of it, right? Think about a grapevine, not the town, but the actual vine that grows grapes, okay? Does it grow partial grapes or only just the stem or only just like the outside or only just the inside? No, it grows the whole grape. So you'll know them by the whole thing. You'll know them by all of those aspects. And just like fruit, when we look at men's deeds, you'll know all of those different ones that you just talked about. And Luke chapter 6 actually helps us. It's Luke's record of the Sermon on the Mount. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. But it helps us to understand what is this fruit thing. Luke chapter 6, 44 and 45 says this. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Okay, that's what we're talking about. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure inferred of his heart, brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. So now we know the source of the fruit in our human. The source of the fruit in person is our heart. Yes. And so out of your heart comes everything, thoughts, feelings, actions, deeds, right? All of it is where all that comes from. Okay, so we'll know them by those aspects of uh, their humanity. So let's define good fruit then. We got this fruit thing going on. What's good fruit? There's a really famous passage on the Pears. fruit of the spirit. <laughs> I, I, I heard cares. Pears. Oh, okay. <laughs> spiritual fruit. I, I didn't. That's my fault. I walked right into it. Good fruit. Spiritual fruit. Passage from the Bible. Taylor, you're, you've been holding on. What is it? Um, Galatians, chapter five. The fruits of the spirit are patience, kindness. Thankfulness, joyfulness, self-control. You're great. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, peace. peace. Yeah, okay, here, let me, let, I've got it written down. Let's just make sure you don't miss any. you got a lot love. of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those are good fruit, right? You should put it on your wall. Those are good fruit. We already looked at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. This is someone that looks like they're pursuing good fruit, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's good fruit. So then the corresponding question is, so what does bad fruit look like? Not the food, bad spiritual fruit. What does that look like? Remember, these pseudo-prophets are coming to you. They're wearing sheep's clothing. It's not going to be like, hey, they walked into your church one day and said, hey, anybody give away credit cards? I'll take your credit card. It's not going to be like that. That would be overt. This is going to be covert, subvert. Yes, Taylor? Silent selfishness. Yes, silent selfishness. I like the alliteration. That's good. Here's kind of what the, the we, we know it's wrong. We know it's false. But here's how you find them in their fruit. You ready for this? They will not bring up the hard truths of Scripture. They don't like talking about it because they don't do these things. They do not deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow after Jesus because they're living a lie. 
Yes. Softening sin. Now we're getting the alliteration thing going on. Yes. Okay, so they'll also not talk about Jesus' authority in their life. They won't talk about it. They won't talk about substitutionary atonement, because that means they have to talk about how man is depraved, which means it points right back at, I'm a sinner. They won't go there. They'll just talk about the broad way, the good things. Like God has a plan for your life. God loves you. Are those truths? Yes. But are they all of the truth? No. That's how you'll recognize a false prophet. You'll also recognize them by the stuff that they allow. They'll tolerate moral grayness. You'll recognize them by the people that they hang around with. You'll see that, wow, like 2 Timothy 4.3 says this, a time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine. See, I told you, they don't like the hard stuff. They won't endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They'll turn away from the truth and they'll turn aside to myths. And they'll be surrounded by people that like that. That, oh, this person permits me to live sinfully. I kind of dig that, so I'll hang out with them. Like, they don't ever tell me I'm wrong. That's how you know they're false. Yes, Fox. They're, you can tell they might act a certain ways uh, in certain places, but at their home, you can tell yeah. they would act how they normally do at home. When they think they're out of the spotlight, they'll act their real selves. Because their real self is not sheep. The real self is ravenous wolf. Okay? So that's how you'll know them. It's easy to see if you're walking with the Lord. MacArthur says this, unless those who claim to be God's spokesmen give evidence that their deepest motives, deepest motives and life patterns are honoring, glorifying, and magnifying God and growing in humility, holiness, and obedience, then we can be sure that God has not called them. If they're rather oriented to money, prestige, recognition, popularity, power, sexual looseness, selfishness, they do not belong to Jesus Christ. If they are proud, arrogant, resentful, egotistical, and self-indulgent, they clearly are false prophets. You will know them by their fruit. In the very end, when Jesus comes to judge again, if you look at verse 19 of our passage, you will know that you'll know them because they will be cut down and thrown into the fire. But you don't have to wait until the very end. You can see them now. You'll know them by their fruits. Such a comfort. Such a comfort. Earlier, I asked you if you're growing in your knowledge of God's word, if you're growing in your actions thereby, if you're progressing in sanctification. I want to encourage you now. If you, look, if you have Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 memorized, um, then you, that's where I'm going. If you don't, I'm going to read it to you. But you should be exercising this. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing here. That is good fruit. And that's what we should be doing. Are these your habits? If not, we need to make some changes. Okay. Since we are fruit basket inspectors, thank you, Taylor. I'm going to keep using it. We've investigated the first real danger, which is false prophets exist. And we're going to move on to our second real danger, which is the reality that false believers exist. Second category. This is verses 21 through 23. So look at verse 21 of chapter 7. And Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will, who is in heaven will enter. All right, let's look at the first part of verse 21. Not everyone who says, 
We just learned that anybody saying, Lord, Lord, isn't a believer. Everyone who's saying that isn't a believer. That's just, but the phrase, Lord, Lord, sounds like what a believer would say. Let's dig into this. So it means that some who profess Christ aren't sincere. They'll give credence or they'll give respect to Christ. They'll say the words, Lord, Lord, which in Greek is kurios, which you may have learned, hey, that means Jesus is Lord. Well, if you also look, and especially in this passage, it's a title of honor. It expresses respect, but it doesn't have to mean you're my savior. And they don't mean it that way. That's why Jesus is looking at them and saying, not everyone who just says those words now is magically transported into heaven. They are sayers and not doers. James chapter 2 rebukes them and says, You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? They're just sayers. They're hanging out. They're hanging on to religious activity. It really means a lot that they attended church from age like 7 to 74. Like, I did all the work. That's what they're hanging their hat on. Notice that they didn't hang their hat on, I repented of my sin. I placed my faith in the only Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not hanging their hat on that. They do not have, they do not do the will of God for a repentant and redeemed heart. And they hold to that religious activity as their only, only hope. And it is a false hope because not everyone who holds to religious activity will enter the kingdom of heaven. But we then correspondingly see in the rest of verse 21... How do you get into the kingdom of heaven? And what does the rest of 21 say? It says, he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. All right, this is a clue. Does the will of my Father. We'll talk about that. Someone who does the will of God. It infers willingly. Like they want to do it with desire. This someone knows God's word and they want to do it from a faithful heart. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 21, it says, He who has my commandments, okay, they know them, but, and they keep them, is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Yes, sir. So it is not possible, if you, like, want to share the Gospel and you want to live for God, then it's not possible to be unsaved. If you want to right? You, you said it with a lot of negatives in there. Okay, say it one more time. So... If you want to live for God and want to share his gospel, then you can't not be saved. Or positively said, you would be saved if that's what your heart's after. Right? That, so, so, yes, so you're asking, hey, is, it, is it, if I evaluate my own heart, which you're like, you're like going like two paragraphs down, which is awesome, is if you examine yourselves as the application is like, where are you? Are you holding on to religious activity? Like, hey, I shared the gospel 27 times a day. Can an unsaved person repeat the gospel? Yes. Yes, they can. They can say the words. Okay. Now, would their heart be desiring to please God, recognizing that they have, are a sinner and they've repented of their sins and they trust in Jesus as their Lord? No. That is how you know the difference. The gospel is the gospel, not the actions. The actions follow the gospel. A repentant heart that has placed all of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as their only Savior... That's someone who's a believer. And then, yes, the actions will follow. So, what is this will of God then? We want to know. In Matthew 22, the same question was asked of Jesus, verses 36 to 40. It says, which is the great commandment in the law? Tell us. 
He sums it up. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. That's the will of God. Love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Everything you've got. That's how you know because that, that's what you'd be pursuing. And then you're going to do the rest of what the Old Testament says to do with the law of the prophets, which is love your neighbor as yourself. You'll live it out. Romans 12, 2 talks about your mind not being conformed to this world, but being renewed by the word of God and being transformed so you can prove what the will of God is. Folks, through the will of the, what is the will of my father? It's the Bible. It's what he's given you and you want to do it. That person is the one who enters heaven. So from an application perspective, you want to know who you are? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail the test. Taylor, you asked that question. It's perfect. The, The way you know is that Christ is in you, meaning you have repented of your sins and placed your faith in him as your only Savior. It's not your actions. This is the end of the second part of our investigation. And what we learn, false believers exist. And they're among you. But the result of both parties is the same. This will be the last section for us tonight. Verses 22 and 23. It says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. There's that phrase again. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did Did we not cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, says Jesus, I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice, you who practice lawlessness. We just jumped through a lot of time there. I want to make sure you saw that. In verse 21, he's saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is he's talking to the audience in front of him. You hit verse 22, and he says, many will say to me on which day? That day. Jesus is very switching them to the when I come back. And I am judging at the final great white throne judgment. I'm saying everybody's going to get the final judgment. You're either a sheep or you're a goat is what he uses in Matthew 25. You're either a believer or you're not a believer. We're on that day. We just fast forward an unknown amount for a long period of time. But Jesus has come back and he's judging for the last time. The sheep are the believers. It goes to the unbelievers in Matthew chapter 25, and he says, Many will say to me, if you think back to verses 13 and 14, that Broadway, lots of people find it. Many will say to me, We did all this work. So we have to look at how are they addressing Jesus? They said, Lord, Lord again. But their context has shifted. Jesus is on his throne. He's come back. He's revealed himself in full glory. There's no confusing what he means. It's not respected teacher anymore. It's only one definition of Lord, Lord, and that is the Lord of the universe. That is the one who has come to judge. And these people are so lost and they're so prideful that even in that moment, they try to justify their actions. They say, but no, I should be with the sheep because I... I I did religious activity. You guys see that? They're, they're just lost. In their pride, they still quote, they did all of these things. I cast out demons. I 
performed many miracles, I prophesied in your name. Doesn't that count for anything? And you might think, well, did, were they like godly things that they did? Satanic things? And Jesus doesn't say. I'm sorry, I can't tell you. But I can tell you that it could be either one, any one of them. Does God use sinful people to do miraculous things? Yes. A couple examples. Balaam, the donkey. Balaam, not a believer. He was trying to prophesy against God's word or against God's people. He was willing to be bought. That's not a being sordid game, serving wealth. He's willing to be bought. God gave him his word. King Saul from 1 Samuel, was he a believer? No. He wanted to have everybody serve him. Okay. But he still prophesied. Caiaphas, the high priest who put Jesus on trial, not a believer. He still prophesied. So God can use people and do miraculous things. Can Satan work through people? Yes. We see demonic things happen um, in Scripture. We do. In Matthew 20, 20, 24, 24, God says, He allows for false Christs and false prophets to arise and do great signs. Okay. And maybe they're just fake. Like, you see word of faith healers, and they say that that person with a limp no longer has a limp, and later can check down on the limp's back. It's just sleight of hand, and it's emotion. But we don't really know. All we know is that actions don't count. Because what does Jesus say next? He says, I declare to you in final assessment and judgment, I never knew you. There's that word know again. Accurately, thoroughly, deeply, I never knew you. The same word we looked at earlier. They have lived a lie. Their judgment is depart from me. You doers of lawlessness, you who practice lawlessness, depart from me, go away from me. Get away, go in. Um, another phrase, and, and Matthew calls it this, in the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place that I don't even want to contemplate. In one word, we call it hell. And he rightfully judges their hearts when he calls them, you doers of lawlessness, you who practice lawlessness. It literally means you law despisers people that didn't care about my word at all. You only cared about yourself. So my application for you on that one is, what's your heart for the lost? If you're a believer, I had to ask myself, and it just kicked me in the teeth. What's my heart for the lost? Because that's what's happening to them in the end. Depart from me. I never knew you. In conclusion, we've looked at three things. In the first reality, there will be false prophets. You can know them by their fruits. Yes, you can still speak. That's good. The second one is there will be false believers. They're going to hold on to religious activity, but they haven't truly repented of their sins. And the third one is the result is the same. Those who practice lawlessness will be given the command, depart from me. I never need. If you're a believer, have a heart for the lost. If you don't know if you're in Christ, or if you might outright know, I, I just come to this group because I think these kids are cool, which you are cool. Then I implore you, talk to one of the leaders, talk to me afterwards, talk to one of your friends that acts different than you about the gospel. Because... I want you to have a gospel before that declaration happens. Depart from me. Pray with me, please. Lord, we are so grateful that we can have such clarity from your word. 
We know that there are dangers out there, but your word has armed us to the teeth to see them. We know that there are false converts out there, but your word is clear about the gospel where there is no question. And Lord, we know that you call us to act, and we are so thankful that you give us all of this instruction. You give us your Holy Spirit to help us. Father, we love you. Pray that you would help us to follow after you in all of our deeds, actions, thoughts, that in summation we would seek your kingdom first in our lives and your righteousness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.